Welcome to the 76 Cents Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Cheez-It Grooves Sharp White Cheddar. Bold flavor, big crunch. Cheez-It Grooves. So we'll be bringing you, uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking podcasts throughout the Sixers season, mostly doing it satellite, uh, but today we're all here down here in Fort Lauderdale for a friend's wedding, so we'll be doing a live one to kick off the season. Uh, we're going to be leading off this, talking about the Sixers offseason for the most part, um, starting with the offseason acquisitions. Um, so the Sixers <coughs> didn't make any specifically big moves this year, um, aside from obviously who they picked in the draft and a couple free agents, but uh, what do you guys think was the most important move that they made? I mean, I'll take this one. I, I think Wilson Chandler is probably going to be the most important one in the grand scheme of production. I think he comes in from the get-go, plays like a backup Robert, Robert Covington role, and probably averages for this team like 13, 14 points off the bench, which is something they severely lacked, especially with the full situation. And they didn't have a lot of playmakers on the bench last year. Um, I think he can play a little bit of stretch four in that situation. That gives him more versatility in this lineup. So assuming he he's, uh, can stay on the court, I think he's going to be a huge addition. Can stay on the court. I think that's the big thing, really. Yeah. I mean, he's had trouble staying healthy his, his entire career. I, I don't think anyone doubts his productivity when he can play, uh, for sure. I think you know. I think the point about Robert Covington and bringing a second option there is really actually a pretty pretty key element that the Sixers missed last year. I think it. I think one of the biggest things it does is when Rocco starts doing his chuck up some <laughs> outrageous threes and is shooting one for eleven. Like Brett Brown now has somebody who he can plug in in the three swing man. He has another option, and and that can play defense and do what he needs to do. And he could sit Rocco down and be like, "All right, chill out for a second. Like, let's get back on on track and start playing basketball the way we know we can." And not really feel like he's losing, like they're losing much of a step. Yeah, and then and on moving on from him, like Mike Muscala, I think I think he'll be a, a fantastic guy coming off the bench, uh, relieving Dario that that stretch stretch five position, opening up the floor for Embiid to, to dominate down low and and Simmons to to drive and dish is a is a fantastic thing for them to add which they kind of are replacing with the loss of Villasova. Yeah. I mean, it looks like shooting is clearly the, the key they're looking at in all their acquisitions this offseason. Like, with Simmons struggling to shoot, obviously Fultz's shot's improving, but the reality of the situation is all those guys plug a very specific role in just giving shooting around Embiid and Simmons. So, I, think, I think when you have when you have two guys like Simmons and Embiid who d- dominate so much down low, the only thing you can surround those guys with is stretch the floor shooters. Definitely. So going towards more of a rookie then, and maybe he's not going to have such an impact this year, but what do you guys think somebody like Landry Shamit could do for the team uh, when you think about the ability to be a shooter uh, with long wingspan, defend at different positions? I think that Nathan, I think that goes right back into what we were just talking about with surrounding Simmons and Embiid with shooters. I mean, Shamit at uh, Wichita State, I think he had, the last two years he averaged like over 42%. From the three-point line, he was a double-digit scorer, like five assists his senior year. Like he's he's somebody who's gonna come in and hopefully after he puts on a couple pounds and gets that NBA body, starts putting up shots and is somebody who can stretch that floor, which is the key to what we need around this team. Definitely, he yeah. can shoot too. I mean, at the end of the day, his percentage show when you watch him, you can see it. He can really shoot, and like usually that translates. So at the very worst, he's a, he's a good backup for JJ Redick. And and like I like me and Adam have had that conversation about like one I think a key thing to that I look at when I'm just looking at pure shooters is free throw percentage and I, I just looked it up and Shabet shot eighty uh, percent in his sophomore year and eighty two and a half percent like that means that he is just a quality shooter and he, he has a good form he has good form and he's going to make shots which generally translates into a productive shooter in the NBA definitely now the Sixers picked up anyone to give. And beat any substantial rest, you know, each game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so they traded Rashawn Holmes, who was playing backup at times, but really just wasn't getting enough run on this team because we had so many bigs. So he's on Phoenix now. They re-signed Amir Johnson, who showed his age last year, but at the end of the day was productive enough at giving yeah, him some time. He gives some quality minutes. It's just yeah. a few of them. I think they're really excited about Jonah Bolden this year, who was their draft pick last year, played um, overseas in Israel last year, and has now come over and is like basically your modern NBA 5, and where he's long, can shoot the three, but can also like play some defense and block some shots. Do you think he can play next to Embiid? I think they'll probably run some lineups where he plays next to him. I think he'll play a lot of just, you know, to give our offense, our backup unit, some versatility. But I could definitely see he gets some minutes next to Embiid. I mean, how many minutes per game do you think Embiid 
is, is a good number for Embiid. I mean, you saw him struggling a lot in games where he's on the sideline on his back, his back's hurt, he's winded. I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I mean, I think yeah. it's probably like, I think in a perfect world we'd like to say 34 minutes, but maybe for a guy like him it's 30, 32 to his career, and like if that's what you get out of him, he's still a pretty productive player in 32 minutes. I think you're going to see um, what a replacement for Embiid is going to be when to give him some rest. I think you're going to see the Sixers play a lot of small ball, where that's you might exactly see, you might see Dario Saric play the five, um, and they're not necessarily go to a traditional center as backup. Or, or run a lineup with uh, Muscala and Sarek and have yeah. and have Sarek kind of play the the down low guy and and run out of run out of him because we saw him take some time last year where he just dominated for stretches at a time like and and showed why he was such a, a high regarded pick when when we took him. Definitely. So before before we move on, I think there's just one guy we should still talk about. I know he's injured. We just got some good news. He's supposed to be back around December. Uh, Zaire Smith. Do you guys think? He's going to be able to contribute this year coming in late, missing training camp. Do you think he's a long-term play still? Yeah, I think when we drafted him, he was a long-term play. Like, we ultimately, we had the the more sh- short-term help in, in Michael Bridges, who we inevitably traded for him, recognizing the longer long-term play with Zaire Smith. Obviously, his his uh, broken foot sets him back. And, like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he follows a similar first-round trend with our players where he comes back around January. And uh, when all is said and done, he gets pretty limited run because we're going to be a playoff team. That needs that needs bodies who can score and like that's a quick learning curve for him coming in in like January February and expecting to get serious minutes on a contending team. Yeah, I think one thing that uh, is is real big on that that people under or don't take into account is Zaire how well Zaire, Zaire shot three point line last year. Like yeah. He was he was almost a forty five. I think he might have been a forty five percent shooter. It's a bit of a funky shot, but and, yeah. And and goes in. generally, like like I said, free throw is a free free throw percentage is a big indicator, and he only shot seventy two percent. So those numbers might be inflated, but if you have a guy who has shot like that, you have to respect it, and he can take advantage with the the quickness and athleticism that he has. Definitely. Okay. So kind of moving on, you know, we talked through these off season acquisitions. Uh, at the end of the day, we didn't really make any big splash in free agency, which a lot of fans were kind of hoping and thinking we were going to do. Um, but, you know, we've all talked about this. And the real big offseason acquisition that, that and we call it acquisition in quotations is Markel Fultz, right? Because last year was pretty much a lost season for him. So, I mean, it's obviously been flying around on social media lately. He finally released a, uh, some videos of his jumper. Uh, we've been seeing pictures all season, all all, all uh, off season. He's been working with Drew Hanlon. Um, they've been kind of putting a lot of teasers out. They finally put a video out. I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, what do you guys think? What are your expectations for Markel this year? I mean, obviously he's not technically a rookie, but for all intents and purposes, he's basically a rookie. Well, for, before we start on anything about actually the shot, I just want to let you guys know that we found out like as we got to Florida, like Natan got off the plane and saw this video. And we just went nuts finally seeing like yeah. what this product looked like. I think every Sixers fan was just has just been looking and waiting all all summer long. Like it's just been like we've just been waiting to see this. this Such what a Drew confusing said thing he was going to do. It's so confusing. But <laughs> didn't he take like two hundred thousand shots uh, this summer or something? Yeah, something like like yeah. They said one hundred fifty thousand shots, which comes out to like over a thousand shots per day with no days off. Yeah. So wow. uh, so what do you guys think? What do you, I mean? What are your expectations for him this year? Um, like from, from first seeing that video, I thought like his shot still has like a little bit of a, of a funky push release, but it's a much more flowing, good looking shot. And obviously they're showing the, the shots of him making them, which like when you're making them, everything kind of looks okay. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I mentioned to you guys earlier that I think that a key for him is if people at least respect the shot then he can do all the other things that he's just a natural freak at. But when he doesn't have that shot falling and people aren't respecting it, it makes it a lot harder for him to be an effective um, player on the team. So I think that's the biggest thing is if he's going to come out firing with the shots and then people are going to have to guard him and he's going to be able to put up that 18, 20 points a game, or is he going to have a a similar role to last year and he's going to need a little bit more of that of that work and getting used to this this new shot in NBA life and average more of like a, a, a more reasonable rookie ten points. I think I think like a reasonable reasonable stat line for Fultz this year would be like somewhere in like the 14, 14 points a game, like 
probably playing around 20 minutes with like three or four rebounds and three or four assists. Like he's not, it's not going to be something that like, we're like, oh man, we could have really used him last year, but it's going to be like, we see where this, this potential for Fultz is like really, and and why we wouldn't make the move for Kawhi and include Fultz or, or sorry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we talked about this, like, the motion looks better, and, like, it, it clearly shows progress, which, for him, the biggest thing is just having the threat that he can shoot. Like, you watch him with everything else he can do in his game, and he's clearly at a super elite level in driving to the basket, and that becomes, so to Marcus's point, so much more effective when, uh, you know, when he's able to shoot and able to keep guys honest at that point. So, I mean, I, I agree with Marcus. I think he's probably going to average, like, around 14 a game. Um, I could see his minutes still go way up, though. I wouldn't be shocked if he has a moment in the season where they are, where they're playing him thirty minutes a game, and he's either like a super sub as our six man, um, or he like works his way into the starting lineup, and we we reject some guys um, just because. Like I think at the end of the day, he's super explosive. We drafted him one for a reason. Assuming he can make shots at a halfway decent clip, he's going to be a pretty effective player this year. Yeah, so I'm actually pretty excited to see him and TJ McConnell on the court together. I think you know. They're both, you know, running and gunning, and you know I think it'll really give Fultz some some decent looks. And you know that's one of the problems we had last year, right? Simmons just couldn't couldn't make that mid range shot that I really think Fultz has. Fultz has, so I, I'm really interested to see how that works out with them. Yeah, I mean that's how he was built originally yeah. when we drafted him was like you know because Simmons can't can't really shoot from outside. We have a guy like Fultz who can not only shoot but drive and facilitate. I and think like, that's a really interesting point because. Him and McConnell were basically unable to play together last year. I mean, Fultz pretty much exclusively backed up Simmons. Um, but I agree with the, with the ability to shoot. I think um, the two of them could play together. Uh, for me, you know, I I, I saw a video recently of an uh, interview of of Brett from Brett Brown, and I think the thing that he said about Hell and when he was talking about all the shots he took this summer, which I think is honestly the most important, is that. He said that when Markel walked into the Sixers gym with for actual team practices, that he had that swagger back. And I think for him, it's like maybe that shot's still not perfect, but I think the fact that he has confidence in it is the most important piece there. I think um, that goes with everything, and, yeah. and and doing and literally doing anything. Like if you have the confidence and you believe that that you can do it, you're. That's why all the best players have that that cocky attitude. Like you Absolutely. can't be passive. So I'm gonna go a bit out on a limb on a stat line here. Actually, I think. I think he's going to go pretty big. Um, I think he breaks into the starting lineup sooner than later. Um, and I think you're going to start to see J.J. Redick uh, coming off the bench. And I, I think we're going to see Markel putting up a line closer towards that 16 to 18 point range. I think his rebounds assists are probably going to be, I'm, I'm going to say like 16, 5 and 5. So uh, you, you really think that that Fultz, like I know that that's why they, they took Fultz is he's like the future, he's our starter. But do you really think that at this point in Fultz, this young, that him supplanting JJ is like a benefit to this team? I feel like JJ's three-point shooting and what he does on the floor is so important to how like the first lineup runs. That's fair. And going back to what Ben said about TJ and Fultz, like that's a fantastic like. When when TJ was running the point, they had in the playoffs last year. They were they were moving the ball. Everything was working well. And that kind of player kind of lends himself, like, Fultz will be a more effective player with a point guard like TJ, yeah. where JJ will be a more effective player for us with, when Simmons is on the floor. That's yeah. fair for sure. So it, I, I think that he he, we, he benefits. I think in the long term, that's where we're headed. But I yeah. think this year we benefit from having Fultz stick stick more to that, playing like being the leader of our second lineup. And maybe he does of, stay there. But I, maybe he does, and you're right. You know, I think it's like it's not necessarily so important who starts the game as much as who finishes it. They always say you're probably right, um, but I still think that I'm going to stick with the stat line there. I think he could be that super six man, like Adam said, who's still coming off the bench and playing enough minutes where he's so he's the, that second offense is so centered around him. I still think he can put up sixteen five and five uh, from a bench roll. You know, twenty six minutes or so a game. Moving on from there, you know, I think. The way that the NBA has been going this uh, th- these days with social media and everybody posting everything they're doing, um, everything from workout videos to personal life, you know, I think we might as I think we'd be kind of 
it would be a miss if we didn't talk about that. So what do you guys think was the most interesting Sixers offseason story? I mean, you have Ben Simmons obviously out there in, in L.A. hanging out with Kendall Jenner. You have the Colangelo thing. You have Embiid run, running around the world kind of the summer of Embiid. I mean, a lot of other topics too. But what, what do you think is really the most important kind of interesting element there? So like, just going based off of the, the three that you just said, uh, as far as Simmons and Kendall Jenner, like that's not really, I think, what any true Sixers fan wants to hear. But he's twenty. Yeah, he's he's yeah. twenty years old. Like Kendall Jenner is hot as fuck. Like, like I, I, I can't really, I can't really hate on him for going and hanging out with like one of the hottest like girls of the like his generation, like our generation. So like that one, it's just like yeah, you don't want to see it, but. Like, I don't like. I didn't. Once I heard it, I didn't really ever look more into it. I didn't follow, care but, more about but it. But a lot of people, what they're saying online about that is they're worried that that is a. Like, people are saying that's a connection to L.A. Right, and that Simmons doesn't want to be in in Philly. It's a too small of a market for him, and he actually wants to be out in L.A. and live that lifestyle. Do you think that is that I, a concern? I think that's all like just speculation. speculation like right. I, I think that like all every player in the NBA has they either well, live in Atlanta or L.A. Yeah. in the off season. Like they all of them do. Like. So the fact, like, if you're Simmons and you you have the five million dollar a year Nike contract, like, are you gonna want to spend your summers in Philadelphia or do you want to spend your summers in Southern California, surrounded by models? Like, it's not even really a question in my mind. So it doesn't really, in my, it, to me, it's not really that concerning. Like, if he started like seriously dating Kendall and like they're like traveling and flying and doing all that, like. That might cause some more concern because she's going to want to do stuff during the season and he's going to be less focused. Yeah, but I think that's over. I think they're no longer together. Getting ready for the seasonal summer fling. It is over, right? Yeah. But Markel spent the summer shooting 150,000 shots. Like, Ben Simmons' shot's not that great. How he many, shot how many? a shot. He was with Kendall Jenner. That's his <laughs> shot. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But how many shots did he take in the gym? I, I, I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> no one really does know. Anything else? I mean, obviously, there's some pretty big stories throughout the summer there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to let someone else touch on the Colangelo one. But, I mean, the NBA story is awesome. Like, he's going around. He's just playing playing pickup games with other NBA stars. He's, like, the most marketable star in the game right now. And he's played, like, 70 games yeah. at this point. Like, it's awesome. And, and not even just NBA stars. I mean, there's videos of him literally dunking on some, like, five foot ten like, just dude playing in a park in Philly, and he yeah, just I mean, decided he, to get he's, in. He's, on a that man, game. he's a man of the people. Well, that's, that's, the bigger, that's the bigger thing: being in Philly, and that's something you didn't see Simmons in Philly. You saw, you know, Embiid in Philly, you know, with the people, with the people, or petting lion cubs. I mean, that was a fantastic <laughs> video. But I think I think that's Simmons is Simmons is the more passive guy, and Embiid's the the, the face, yeah. and like so, like those things, like Simmons doesn't really talk much about what he's doing. Embiid literally shares everything. So like. I think people read a lot into it. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think that people read a lot into what these guys do. And sometimes it's just like Simmons wants to be out of the spotlight a little bit. And again, to Marcus's point, they're all in L.A. in the offseason. Like, it's a, it's not any indication of really anything at this point. Um, I, you know, I think all it says is he's, like, interested in living the celebrity lifestyle. And to be honest, at this point, the NBA is so large and expansive. You could do that for pretty much every market. So, yeah. last point on the Embiid traveling thing. I love how Embiid was dunking on, like, 5'10 guys. And there's videos of Jason Tatum just dunking on kids. So, if I'm a Sixers fan, I love seeing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And not just 5'10 guys. Also, like, there's Mac Biombo and, like, yeah, yeah. some people who are considered, like, legit, set, like, defensive centers in the NBA right now. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's for sure. It was, you know, I mean, the NBA these days is basically a year-round thing. I mean, once the off-season goes, it's still there's still basketball to talk about. And the Sixers were definitely, yeah, Respect. for sure. And the Sixers were definitely a big part of that. But obviously, the the NBA overall was there was a lot of action, um, which kind of leads to the next topic here of old faces and new places. So there was a lot of movement in the NBA on free agency. Um, obviously, some a few big names moved, and some other key players moved that I think are going to play big roles on teams. So, uh, let's go around here and talk about just who your guys' kind of most intriguing old face in new places. So, obviously, in this off season, the biggest name that moved uh, is LeBron James. Left the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and went out to LA to join the Lakers. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone kind of has their opinion on if that was the right decision. Yeah, he should have came to the Sixers. Um, I mean, obviously, I, he, it was a good fit there. I mean, I think from a basketball perspective, that might have been the best fit. But I mean, what do you guys think about his decision to go out there? Do you think that team's ready to win? I mean, how long do you think he actually has left in him? Every team with LeBron is ready to win. Yeah. That's look, really look at the Cavs last year. Like, Cavs are Cavs are a lottery team if LeBron's on. But are they ready to win? Is that team can like do you even put them in Golden State's 
in no. the realm. No, but LeBron, I wouldn't be shocked if LeBron takes him to the Western Conference Finals. Like, he's that good. I mean, they're young, but they're, they're definitely going to get better with LeBron. So do you think he thought about his uh, consecutive final streak at all here? I mean, no. because that that's definitely put that in jeopardy by I mean, going to I mean, this West. was clearly a personal decision because he wants to be in L.A. in that market and be the face of the Lakers. Like, I mean, he's making Space Jam 2. He's making Space Jam 2, exactly. Like, it's been confirmed. Yeah. Like, he, that, that was in the works for sure. He's, he's been but involved he with do, TV shows You don't shows think he now. can do that from anywhere? No. I, it, no, but, but, the, but the opportunities that come about from being in L.A. are, like, like, I don't think LeBron is solely cared about, like, I don't think his sole care is money, but he's going to He's, he's a businessman. He's a businessman, and his brand and everything else that goes along with being LeBron is going to be the most successful and have, be the most influential from a place like L.A. Because getting on those shows and being able to do, like, on an off day, go do a cameo in, in some TV show, it builds his brand and makes his appeal not just... He's not just LeBron James, the basketball player. He's like LeBron James, who was a guy on that show. Yeah. So, so here's the here's the thing. I think you probably have a handful of athletes, and a very small handful of athletes, that they could be anywhere, right? And their brand is their brand, and they there's really you know he's a global player. He could be For in sure. Philly. He could be be in New York. I mean, he could be anywhere, and people will come to him. He doesn't need to go to people. I get being in LA. You can maybe do more on the entertainment side. But he was already in movies when he was in Cleveland, right? I mean, he, he sure. he's already done this. But I, I think that moving around as much as he did is going to tarnish his, his overall reputation. When, when, Even if he wins here? Yeah, because the problem is he built his team in Cleveland this past time. I mean, he pretty much made every decision on who he wanted to bring in, right? And they couldn't win, and he left. And I think the way he left this time was obviously better than the way he left the first time. For sure. Right, but it was it, it, him there. leaving was the equivalent of taking his ball and going home, right? He built his team; they couldn't win, and he left to go to Miami to win a championship. Maybe yeah. I, I feel like LeBron felt like he when he sprung Cleveland, he went back, paid his debt, he won, he accomplished everything he had set out to do from the time he entered the league and won a championship for his hometown, and now he wants to be do Bron. Yeah. Like he he literally just wants to do. And like, yeah, he could literally do it anywhere he wants in the world, in the world or country. But doing it in LA is easier, and for the same reason that Simmons was hanging out with models, LeBron's in LA surrounded by all of those people. But okay, so let's pretend for a second that it is a basketball decision, because I mean, he's not gonna say he said that it is, right? So I mean, looking at that team, Adam, does that team make any sense to you? I mean. Like they don't make a ton of sense. Do that, right? Um, I mean, they don't make a ton of sense. And I looking mean, at the landscape I mean, of the West, on does it really now. work? Um, Lance Stevenson's on that team. Like, <laughs> it, it's just a bunch of guys, basically. But like, so were the Cavs last year. And they like outside of Kevin Love, the Cavs shooters. They, they always have, but not really yeah. this time. Yeah, not really this time. He says he says he wants to play more of the Simmons role. He was quoted saying that that he's comfortable distributing a little more. Um, I mean, they have a lot. They just have a lot of playmakers. Um, they don't have a lot of shooters. Um, I think though at the end of the day though they're still with a with a LeBron with a LeBron led team at worst what the four seed in the West, um, like LeBron carried Probably. the Cavs to at one point fifty five six. But is that why is he moving out there to be the four seed in the West? No, of course not. But I think he recognizes that in another off season or two they can get another big name guy who can go to the Lakers and then he's set up for a couple of years at that point. I think he's comfortable going to LA, knowing that maybe year one is is a year where they're the four seed and they're like you know there's a little bit of growth from the young guys. So how I mean, how many good years does he have in him though? Right? I mean, you're, you're talking year yet. one. This is yeah. year what 15, 16. He probably still has another four more years. Yeah, but is he looking list. for another rebuilding right. situation? I mean, he should be coming a situation where he could fit in and not build another yeah. team. I mean, look, it just he, doesn't feel like a basketball decision. Yeah, I mean, of course it's not a basketball decision. I mean, look, at the end of the day, he's comfortable with the fact that he's like you know trying to do two things at the same time. He's trying to build his like general brand for when he's post basketball, while also like being in a situation where he's the face of the most marketable franchise in basketball. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I agree that it probably skews his legacy a tiny bit just because in a place like L.A., there's tons of other stars who, who have worn that jersey. And, yeah, he's probably going to be the best one ever to do it in the grand scheme of things. But probably, you know, the best player to ever do it is strictly because of his overall career, not his time in L.A. So quick question before we move on from LeBron. Uh, championship. Do you feel that the pressure for him to win a championship there is the same as Cleveland, less as Cleveland? I mean, obviously he brought Cleveland their first championship. He's from Cleveland. I mean, that was huge. There was like the weight on his shoulders there was insane. But I mean, going to a team like the Lakers with just the history they have, do you feel like that? I mean, there's obviously pressure, but where do you put that pressure in? 
So I, I think that there, there was an unbelievable amount of pressure for LeBron to like finally get that one to Cleveland. And like the pressure was a combination of outside pressure and like personal ambition pressure from LeBron himself. Like yeah. I think that LeBron, if you asked him and he pr- truly believes that he wants to win a championship with the Lakers just as bad as he did last year with Cleveland. But I think that there's with that move to LA, there's so much more now going on within LeBron's life that the pressure of because if, if all the only pressure was winning an NBA championship he could have gone to a team like the Sixers or somebody else in the East for sure and had an easier road and then only had to really beat one team to get that championship like I think that he obviously he wants to win but it's not the end all be all of of what's of wh- where he's at in his life so predictions on championships in LA not Stop one, there. not two, <laughs> not three. No, they're winning nothing. They're not winning at all. No, no championships at all. I mean, look, they're okay. in a tough spot. The Warriors are going to be good for a while. Yeah, as long I, as the Warriors are in the West, like it's going to be tough. At the current stage of the Western Conference, as it sits right here, he's not like he has. I'd say an under ten percent chance in this four-year contract to win a a, a championship. Who knows? What happens with the Warriors? Does Clay leave? Does there's these rumors about Durant not like loving this? Yeah. Who knows what happens? Like, how does Demarcus Cousin affect that? But like, we, we got it. Like, with how it is now, he just doesn't have the team surrounding him unless Lonzo breaks out. Like, whatever happens with these guys, shout Brandon out to Ingram, Baller Brand. Brandon Ingram could no, not. No, no, that's not like, shout out to Big Baller Brand. But enough about LeBron here. There's a lot of other teams obviously chasing Golden State, and a lot of other big, pretty big names have moved. So, I mean, anyone else have any other big names that have been on the move that are really interesting this year to you? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest one is DeAndre Jordan going, going to Dallas. I mean, yeah. look what happened in 2015. Mark Cuban, most outspoken owner, the Jerry Jones of the NBA. Okay, right. Him and DeAndre, once he was going and then he stopped, how does how does Mark Cuban actually bring DeAndre Jordan back into the organization? So how do you, real quick on that, do you like Cuban and how involved he is in city courtside like that? Are you yeah, into that for him? Yeah, I do. I, I, I like that. I, I, I mean, I like that more than uh, and the Clippers owner. I mean, he, he has a little bit more yeah, swagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but to answer the question, at least from my point on DeAndre Jordan is, I think he actually fits really well with that team. I, I think that Dallas team is actually going to be pretty good. People are saying that like that Luka Doncic is turning heads at, uh, at first look in practice. Like Dirk himself said that like his playmaking ability is well beyond where it should be at this point in his career. I mean, other, I think he's probably the favorite to win uh, Rookie of the Year. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. I think yeah. he is. Uh, I mean, that combo, that backcourt combo, Dennis Smith and Luka, Running pick and rolls uh, with DeAndre rolling to the basket, I think that's I think it's a really good fit for him. I, I think that he could really do some damage there. Definitely, they they suddenly have a lot of veterans on that team. Yeah, like like they're they're definitely going to be around the eight seed. Yeah, I mean obviously the West is so deep it's going to be tough, but I mean I think that was a good move for DeAndre. I think it was a good fit. Um, any other guys on the move? Um, I have kind of a weird one. Um, I I picked uh, Isaiah Thomas on the Nuggets. Okay. Um, you know, we're only like really what a year and a half removed to where Isaiah Thomas was like a playoff hero and was almost was in the MVP conversation. Um, like obviously he looked really slow last year, but I mean he was coming back from a hip uh, hip issue, and you know the Cavs were definitely in a tough spot. And he just didn't really fit with the Cavs. Lakers just had so many players competing for that ball at point guard that like he obviously didn't get quite the run. But like we think that Nuggets team is gonna be pretty good this year. For sure, you know, their their style of play has always been run and gun up in Denver. Um, you got to think he runs that second unit, and maybe he has another resurgent year, and he's like maybe, maybe him and Will Barton on the second unit. That's pretty Definitely. dangerous. That's pretty but dangerous. Reports are he's not really that they don't. We don't know if he's going to be ready to start the season though. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. So there's yeah. still that injury issue that's kind of yeah, lingering which is a little there. concerning. You don't want to see that this close to the season. But so speaking of injuries, what's the what's the most surprising off season injury? injury or most outrageous? I mean the Devin Booker one. Yeah, right? Devin Booker <laughs> one. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, I mean honest. shout out Devin Booker on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think uh, an interesting offseason move, and I'm, I'm going to give uh, my boy Vince Carter here a shout-out. Not because I think he's going to play an uh, actual important role on the Atlanta Hawks in, in their season. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks season is not really very important this year. But, I mean, they're just such a young team. And, I mean, when you look at, when you look at a team like that in the East, not to say they have a chance this year, right, but they're doing the right things. I think they're putting uh, some, some talented young pieces there. And I think bringing a guy like Vince in to really just kind of 
get take control of that locker room and show somebody like Trey Young like what it means to put in the work to play for. I mean, God, I don't, how many seasons has Vince Carter played at this point? 20? 35. Vince Carter is the NBA's real version of Uncle Drew. Yeah. I mean, they basically, last thing I heard on Vince Carter is like when he's going to retire, like when someone asked him when he's going to retire. I mean, basically they said that they're just going to have to lock the doors and and eventually that's going to be the only way to keep him out of the gym. But, I mean, I think that he really could play an important role there in the development of a lot of those young guys uh, just from a, how to do work and how to put in the, the real work that's required there. Yeah, I mean, he really can't hurt. You know, yeah, at the, at the exactly. end of the day, like, he's signing up for this, so you know that he ultimately feels he's comfortable with that mentor role. So, you know, you got to think he's going to really help a guy like Trey Young and a lot of those young guys really just learn how to be a professional. Because that team is that team is starting a rebuild. They're yeah. really, at this point in year one, of a rebuild. So I, uh, I, heard, I read some quote of Vince Carter, and somebody asked him, like, why didn't – basically why he didn't go chase rings and, like, go to, like – Golden State or Houston and like one of these teams that he could like not have like maybe a lesser role but like definitely have an impact on a championship team with that veteran leadership and he's like I don't know maybe I'm old school man like <laughs> I, I I just I, I like I wasn't raised in that generation where I'm gonna chase rings he just and loves like, basketball but in it he also felt like he was like he knows what his role is gonna be but he feels like he can push it and like if he out outperforms like this to somebody who's half his age He'll get the playing time. Um, but so as far as the new faces, there's two that I want to just mention because yeah. we haven't we haven't uh, addressed it at all. The first one is obviously to the Golden State Warriors, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. <clears throat> like that's just to me like how does DeMarcus – like talking about a different generation. Vince Carter says he Seriously. wants to go to the Hawks and play for like potentially one of the worst teams in the league. And DeMarcus Cousins just signs signs a vet minimum to go chase a ring. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't fault DeMarcus Cousins. He's taken he's taken no money basically to do it, and he's he wants to play on that team. But, but when is he going to be ready? Uh, they think around January. And they just don't. Point. They really don't need him. And they don't need him. And like obviously, he, if he's fully healthy by the playoffs at that point, you know that team is that much more. My point is, it, they already said that there were like there's been rumblings of like trouble in that locker room. DeMarcus Cousins, like... He's not going to help. I don't know him, but everything that I've heard, like, that's not going to help any rumblings. I mean, is that the beginning of breaking up the Warriors? Is it DeMarcus? Is that what we look back for years There's just been been rumblings of that. uh, Another one that I just want to mention, because I know we're we're trying to move on to the next topic, is uh, Julius Randle to to the Pelicans. Um, I was was always a big fan of Julius Randle. I thought he, like, there's a lot that he brings to the table, and in L.A. it wasn't always shown, but he showed some flashes last year. Him next to Anthony Davis could be a, a really, really interesting thing to watch. Do you think that's enough to keep Anthony Davis interested in, the, in New Orleans and stay there? Because he just uh, he just signed on with Clutch Sports. I don't know if you guys saw that, but um, you know the big talk there is that obviously he's, he's eligible for the Super Max at the end of this season. Uh, so if, if he doesn't sign it, I mean, most people think that that means he's out. The, the thing thing to me when it comes to <clears throat> that Supermax, I feel like they've done a, a decent job in in that $50 million big contract. Difference. Like the guarantee that you're getting 50 mil. Like for somebody like LeBron, like LeBron can, with the amount of money that he's yeah, made. he can leave that. He, he, it's, I mean, nobody likes to leave 50 million, but LeBron has a better chance he's probably going to make more money in L.A. Like is, is that... Is that an accurate uh, assessment for Anthony Davis? It's a good question. Well, I think if you're if you're eligible for that supermax, the fifty million isn't 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 going to to make or break your decision. Sure. I think you're going to do what's best for basketball because I don't really think you're worried about money. I, I'm sure you have a sneaker deal. I'm sure you have other things going on. Yeah, you're, you're not one of those manager, like lower okay. to mid NBA players that are still trying to make it right. I mean, you you've made it. So I, the, I then I know I've just rattled off two guys. But the two that I wanted to say from the beginning um, that, that we haven't talked about, the one that I'm super interested in seeing what happens is actually uh, Trevor Ariza. Okay. On, yeah, on Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. I think Phoenix has some, like, interesting things going on. And that veteran role, like, where does he fit in? I'm curious to see, like, how it meshes. And how if, fits too, cause if that – because that team – They have a lot of guys. Other than Devin yeah. Booker not knowing how to ride a bike, like, they're, they're having a pretty good offseason. One last old face. Before we move on here, and I gotta give a shout out to an old Sixer here because I do think he's got some juice in the tank, and I'm kind of interested to see what he can do there. Is uh, Nerlens Noel moving to Oklahoma City? I mean, that's a fast-paced offense. 
I mean, he kind of fits that mold, right, where he can get out there and run with uh, with, the, with with Russ and those guys and run some pick and rolls, and he can finish at the rim. I mean, obviously, he's had some, some rough goes uh, lately. I mean, obviously, turning down that contract last year didn't really work out so well, but do you guys think he can sort of revive his career? I mean, he showed, like, he's always been able to defend. He's obviously need, always been kind of lanky and hasn't can't, kind of gets thrown around a bit, but he can always defend and finish at the rim. It kind of works with Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, he's still really young. Um, I, I think he's going to come into Oklahoma City. He gives backup minutes at that point. And I think he's going to be putting a lot of really good opportunities with him on the same floor with Westbrook and Paul George and guys that attract so much attention away from him. He can kind of just do what he does well, which is, you know, take take uh, lobs and pick and rolls and play good defense. And, you know, when he, when he was at his best in Philly, that's what he was really doing. It's been quite a while since he's had it again. But, you know, again, it's a pretty low-risk move for the Thunder at that point. I think he, I think, like you said, he fits great with Westbrook. And I think that Nerlens in in Dallas didn't have those those guys, those Westbrook, Paul George guys yeah. to draw the attention. And in my mind, I think Nerlens could very easily and very quickly turn into a uh, Clint Capella. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, like he Why could not? do with that. But. Talking about Nerlens, he's still the biggest idiot in the world for not taking that that deal. It looks bad. It looks bad in hindsight. It was Um, a really tough look. All right, so we're going to take a break here. But first, I want to thank our sponsor and host, the Westin Hotel. Um, They've really done a great job of putting us up here with snacks and refreshments. Uh, We're going to take a quick five-minute break here, and we'll be right back. Status! All right, so let's move on to kind of the season preview here. Uh, We are, I believe, 24 days away from opening night. I'm pretty pumped about that. Let's just kind of dive into the Sixers uh, and team accolade predictions. So we're going to go through MVP, most improved, and defensive player of the year. I'm going to lead off here. Um, I'm not really going to go out on a limb much. I'm going to say that Embiid is the Sixers MVP and defensive player of the year. Um, I think from a most improved perspective, he had a huge jump last year, I thought. Uh, But I'm going to go with Dario Saric because I think he's going to continue to improve. And I think, you know, last year was an interesting year for him because... They weren't sure if he was going to be starting. It didn't really work for him off the bench. As soon as they put him in the starting lineup, I mean, he was it, it was it was like a diff, watching a different player here. So I'm really looking for Dario to take another big jump uh, and show kind of why the Sixers haven't necessarily moved him yet because I think there are a lot of people asking for him. I agree with you with Embiid. Like the only person that could possibly beat him for Defensive Player of the Year is Covington. And, yeah. and I just Embiid is way more of a defensive threat than Rocco. Um, our MVP Embiid is just so such an integral part of our team. Um, for most improved, I'm actually going to go Simmons. I think that for how good of a year Simmons had, which is I, crazy to think, right? Yeah, I think that he is gonna he is gonna come out and for what we saw out of him, like in the flashes of greatness last year. Like, that's going to be a more regular thing. Now, he said he's got his eyes set on MVP, like, of the league. So, yeah. Do you th- I mean, do you think that's feasible? I I mean, I, I 100% think it's feasible. I think, I think that he is in a position where if he plays at, uh, at a high, like, at his high level, he is an MVP contender. Well, you think it's too early to get sweatshirts made with the definition of MVP? Or is that for a second half of the season? <laughs> Love it. Love it. So let me ask you a question, though. Why don't you think uh, Fultz would be most improved? Is that is that not, uh, you know, he kind of falls like not really rookie of the year because he played a little bit last year? Is he is he too new? So I agree with both these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if Simmons won it. I mean, like, I saw recently ESPN had a ranking of every player in the league. They had Simmons at like 28 with the likes of a lot of all-stars out there. So, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if he takes that major step and is a top 10 player to where he is the most improved player on the Sixers team, believe it or not. You know, at that point, we're in a great situation if we have Ben and Beat and Simmons, who are both top 10 players. My guy has to be full, so yeah. I agree with you, Vance. It's like, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's and the like, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to lead off. It's the it. low-hanging fruit because his, his floor was so low. So, you know, if he goes out there and well, you know, average, you say that, but he did have a tr- – I mean, what was he, the youngest player ever? Youngest player to have a triple-double. So, I, mean, I mean, I think we all agree, though, he, his floor at this point this year, you know, you got to assume he can reasonably shoot is at least like 10, 12 points. If that's the case, he's the most improved player on this team. Uh, my, I, I thought about going Fultz, and I made that decision to not go with him solely for the fact that I don't think that going from injured and not really playing – 
to playing makes him that vastly improved. I know he, he know he changed the jump shot, and I know he did some certain things to make himself better, but I think you have to have a body of work that that you move into a different style of play. Like, the fact that he was injured and couldn't shoot, like, of course he's going to be the most improved because he started at below what he was projected to be at. Yeah. I think it's, like, kind of a definition thing of, like, what most improved is, right? Because that we, we're all talking about this here, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Fultz wins most improved of the actual NBA, like of the of yeah. the league, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was just you know I'm looking for other players there, but it's obviously Fultz is in that conversation. So I mean, obviously most of us agree that Embiid's probably the front runner to win MVP for the Sixers, but we've all, we've also talked about the fact that Simmons could be in that conversation too, right? So I mean, where does Embiid fall in that uh, MVP of the NBA conversation, and where does Simmons fall in that? Yeah, I mean, I think they're really both good value right now. Embiid sixteen to one. And Simmons is twenty-eight to one. I mean, usually that award goes to you know the best player on one of the best two or three teams, and the Sixers have the possibility to do that. I mean, they could be the one or the two or the three seed in the East. I think what you need to really see happen is the Warriors split from an MVP odd situation where neither of those guys win. Maybe the Rockets take a little bit of a step backwards, and the Sixers are the best team in the East. Well, Harden's they, got his, and Har- I exactly can't see him Harden has that. his. Westbrook has his at this point. Like LeBron is LeBron's one of the favorites. He's he's the favorite right now at at three to one. Um, I think uh, Anthony Davis is four, four to one, and Giannis kinda is feels five like, to one. Kind of feels like both of those guys are, are sort of they, could. they sort of feels like they're next up, but he's in that conversation. Definitely sixteen to one's great value at that yeah. point. So when it comes to uh, betting on MVP, I I struggle with it because I feel like LeBron is the most valuable player in the league year in For sure. and year out. And it is not. I, I don't feel like it's a true representation of. It's a, it's a narrative. Yeah, yeah, and and they they want to like bring in stories and stuff. So it's tough to really make a good prediction. I mean, I think Anthony Davis is definitely going to be up there. I think he's a obviously there's a reason why he's fourth or third or whatever you said he was. I think you could have uh, an odd dynamic with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And I think one of those two guys with the other could have like a pretty crazy situation going on. I think I think Paul George could put up a, a big year after another another year running with Russ and getting Melo kind of out of out the door and opening up some opportunities for him. Well, you mentioned Oklahoma City. Now you know what kind of value are, are they to actually win it all? I think right now what we're seeing is 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 are six teams really that have decent odds to, to win an NBA championship, and then after that, it kind of falls off. Yeah, I mean, they're that seventh team, uh, coincidentally. Um, I think they're pretty good odds. They're 30-1 to 1 right now. I mean, they're still in the West. The Warriors are going to be good. The Rockets are probably going to be good. We talked about it earlier. The Lakers have LeBron. Um, but to Marcus's point, like Paul George, Paul George is really good. He's going to have another year playing with Russ at this point. Russ won an MVP two years ago. They have a really good team. And like, at, you could, you know, one injury to the Warriors, and they're suddenly right there. So from a betting perspective, right, on winning the, uh, the finals, a lot of people are like, go with the thought process, right, and pick some, like maybe pick that top team in the East because it's an easy run to the, to the NBA finals, and you, you kind of factor that into your odds, right? But from a betting perspective, I mean, what do you think about the idea of just like, if you make it out of the West, you're going to win, right? And if you're going to win in general, you're going to have to beat that best team in the West anyway, right? So when you look at a team in that kind of second tier from the West, like Oklahoma City, I almost feel like I'd rather go with them than someone like Boston who or the Sixers who have an easy, an easier run to the finals. But at the end of the day, either of those teams is going to have to beat Golden State, and so is Oklahoma City, right? So, Good point. I, I, I completely get where you're coming from. The, the thing that, in my mind, that jumps out as like just playing devil's advocate yeah. is – the team that comes out of there is going to have a hell of a time getting out of the West. For sure. And, and like, a team like Boston or the Sixers could squeak into, like, a lucky situation where they they don't get that same top competition and they're rested and ready to go when when they reach the West and these, these other teams have just battled out back-to-back series of potential seven games. Well, I think we're, we're really counting the East out here. I mean, do we... Are we saying that the Warriors make it? That there isn't a team in the East that could take on the Warriors? No, I mean I think you're seeing it in the odds. The Celtics are five to one uh, to win the title right now, and the Celtics are really good. I mean Sixers are good. I think they're probably one piece away, really, 
But the Celtics at this point, they're versatile enough. They have enough guys. They're like eight or nine deep at this point. Gordon Hayward's coming back. Kyrie's coming back. They're going to be really good, and like they definitely could take down the Warriors. They, I mean, the, the Celtics match up with the, the Warriors as good as any team definitely. ever has. Like Gordon, Gordon's had a history of, of playing like no, nobody can shut down Durant, but he's had a history of, of being up Durant well. Kyrie is quick and and his athleticism can really can really make a uh, a big difference in that in, in that matchup. So I mean, kind of talking about right like the MVP and how the odds work, and somebody earlier mentioned you know it usually goes to the best player on the best team, right? I mean, where do you think? Let's just jump into kind of uh, regular season predictions here, right? I mean, if Embiid's going to win MVP, obviously that means the Sixers have a really good year. I mean, what do you guys think for the Sixers record this year? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really touch on it, but the over-under for them is 54. I kind of think they're right around there. They won 52 last year. I think probably with the, hopefully the addition of Fultz, the addition of Wilson Chandler brings up something different. Maybe they're like 55, 56. You know, I think it's you have to remember also. It's a good year. That's a great year. I mean, you have to remember also in the East is LeBron's gone now. So that's one team that's now pretty much taken off the board that, you know, is not be- not definitively better than the Sixers. Um, so, I mean, they're going to get a boost of probably three or four wins out of that. So I think it's probably anywhere from like 55 to 60 would be my guess. Yeah, I'm calling the shot now. 60 games. We have three teams in the East. Okay. Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. Yep. I, I think the Sixers have a pretty good shot of winning 60 games this year. As good as any. So John Wall would kind of disagree with you there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who, he, he's, he, who knows what he's saying the, these the days. But, are trash. but John Wall would disagree, and he thinks you don't think that the Wizards are kind of in that conversation at all in the East. I don't. Okay. Honestly, I think the Bucks are more in that conversation than the Wizards. Okay. Um, I mean, the Wizards just that that core of the Wizards has just proven year in and year out that they just they just don't gel. Like they got they have so much talent and so much expectation, and they just constantly constantly are falling short of their expectation but as far as the uh the sixers and what does you say 54 and a half it was 54 54 54 on the dot i think that 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 number is inflated trying to think about like the actual it was last year it was like 40 it was just 42 42. or something like that um i think those numbers are inflated because of the the season they had last year and like when you think about vegas odds like you have to remember that they take into account like how they think bets are going to come in so that number, the Sixers have a big fan base. There's a lot of betters there. That number, I think, is slightly inflated. So more than more than a doubt, I think they could win 55, 57 games. 58 would be a fantastic season. I think that they're most likely going to come in in that, like, right around 50. I think if they get above 50 wins, it's a, it's a great year. So under, and, over, over? You know, Vince, I love the 60. I'm kind of there with you. I don't think they get to 60. I think they're going to be close. I think they lose a couple games early that they probably shouldn't. I think, unfortunately, last year, they could have won a lot of games. There were a lot of games that they gave up. I'm going to go with 58. I think they're going to be hovering right around it. I see where you're going with that, Marcus, for sure. Um, I just think 50 looks is, is low, I just based on what the East looks like. The one thing that I, I, I would like to, to touch on real quick with when we're talking about like championship odds and, and yeah. things like that, and it just popped in my head that we haven't made any sort of comment on the on the Kawhi Leonard and Demar Derozan swap. At for you guys, which team out of those do you think that do you think one that the Spurs are any sort of contender in the West, and do you think that that move Kawhi and Toronto makes them a contender? Or even a, a really good shot at making. Do you think they are a contender, or do they think that they have a shot at making the finals and aren't a contender? Is basically what I'm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, you know we maybe briefly touched on Toronto as that third team in the East that has a shot. I think from the Spurs perspective, it's like Spurs just keep doing Spurs things. I mean, they're gonna be good this year. They made a great trade because Kawhi didn't want to be there, and they're not the team that's going to let, lose someone like that and get nothing back. DeMar DeRozan, I think, ended up in a great position there. That that city's going to love him. He's a scorer. I think he's only going to benefit from uh, Coach Pop. You already saw that he's been working with him from the Team USA part of uh, element. And they, they got some nice pieces there. I think that they I, – I would say that they won that trade. Um, obviously, it's early to say that. But I really do think that Kawhi is gone. At this after point, this year. They, they won that yeah. trade. Like, I, I think Kawhi's gone, gone after this year. I think Toronto has a good year, but I think they're just 
They just don't have enough pieces around him to be better than Boston or, or the Sixers. And I think for Kawhi, being the third best team in the East just isn't going to do it. And he, I do think that he's that guy that um, there's some family decisions that go on behind there, and there's 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 family members that are kind of pretty influential in his life. I think his you know his uncles basically raised him, and I think he's going to end up in L.A. So uh, my my perspective would be that San Antonio won that trade and actually did a really good job of of recovering from a pretty bad situation this past year. Yeah, I mean I think you're right on the Spurs. The Spurs are going to keep doing Spurs things, and they're going to win their 45 to 50 games like they always do. Um, and you know they're going to be a, you know four or five seed in the West. They're just at this point. Um, Demar Derozan was an All Star last last year. Like they swapped that Spurs team didn't have Kawhi for most of the season, and they still they still were what a forty five win team. You know they just added an All Star to their team. They had from Do you year. think they could be? A, are they a top four team in the they're West? Probably, they're probably they're def- probably challenging Oklahoma City for that four spot. Um, you know challenging or the yeah. Lakers for that four spot. It's just there's um, just so many teams. Out I, there. I think another view on the Raptors trade though is you know DeRozan made what twenty eight million dollars. So let's say for sake of argument that Leonard doesn't pan out. At the very least, they are able to get off that money at that point. Oh, yeah. You know, they probably then move Lowry the following offseason. And now they're like at least setting up to start moving back in the right direction where that team that they had before was pretty stagnant with the core they had. I, I completely agree with, with everything. Like all what you guys said, I, I really think that I, I think that there's a lot to be intrigued and excited about yeah. for, for DeMar DeRozan on the Spurs. Like he's one of the only players that that like truly has a mid-range game and i think that yeah, that yes. is like a, like a pop staple like i think we're going to see like the 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 mid-range the elbow like the weird uh, jumpers him, him and well, I was gonna say, you know who else has a mid-range is lamarcus aldridge mm-hmm. i think between the two of them they've shot more like 15 foot jump shots it's it's going to be pretty it's going to be pretty interesting to see and, and pops the guy to to do that so kind of moving on here i mean we've talked about a lot of movement in the nba so other than the Sixers, because obviously we all want to watch the Sixers, what's another team that's kind of intriguing to you guys? So do you mean more championship contenders or just any team that intrigues you this year? No, I mean, if you think about League Pass, they offer an option that you get three teams. So it's just who you're interested in watching. So that's tough because I feel like the majority of the time you want to watch like the good teams and you want to see like Golden State and Houston and things like that. But those guys get so many national like tele- nationally televised games. So the the first one, like I mentioned earlier, one that's that I'm real interested in watching are the Suns. I think that they have they have a lot um, a lot going on and there's there's a lot of potential with the young guys. We mentioned Dallas earlier. That's yeah. that's that's another good one. I mean, anytime you have a player who can score seventy points, it's that's that's fun to watch. So yeah, I love, I love the Suns. As long as he's not riding a bike. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep harping okay. on Booker. Probably should ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> the the other one that I that I I know I know I said I wanted to go a non contender. I, I I'm very interested to see what a healthy Celtics team can do because yeah. they they have a, a they play a brand of basketball that reminds me of like what basketball was and not this Houston Golden State just shoot threes and play real fast like they play hard D they run some some interesting offense and they have a bunch of stars so it's going to be it's going to be real real interesting to see that that gritty Marcus Smart and and those guys Terry Rozier even though I hate talking about the Celtics in a positive they're also just so well coached yeah I mean you can't you can't hate on Brad Stevens for sure um, I, I agree. I went a similar route with Marcus is, you know, like the, the contenders get so much, so much national play that, you know, I'm intrigued to watch all those teams. Like I, we love the NBA. So we obviously want to watch the Sixers and watch the Rockets and the Warriors and all that. I went a little more deep cuts. Um, I'm going to save one because I think someone else is going to hit it. Um, but the one that I really wanted to hit on was the Knicks actually this year. So when was in Porzingis is out till it looks like about December. So yeah. it won't really be until he gets back, but Kevin Knox looked awesome in summer league. Um, Porzingis is fun. It kind of feels like the Knicks are going to make a trade at some point and, and maybe get Jimmy Butler or a like or a like superstar. The, Frank the Tank, the, the point guard from France, was kind of good last year. They have Moutier now. They just have a lot of guys. And uh, I think they're going to be fun. I think uh, Kevin Knox looked awesome in summer league. I think he's a really young, exciting piece. And once Porzingis comes back, we forget Porzingis is also a superstar in the league. Yeah, and I think for me, uh, the, the biggest one for me is really about my retirement future. And that would be the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> You know, 250 to 1 odds to win the championship. I'm looking to put put all my eggs in one basket, cash the 401k out, putting it all in the Kings this year. So you're, you're trying to get AD back, huh? 
as many listeners of the podcast will know that we get the uh, we get their first round pick if they're the number one overall pick. Yeah. So you might be in the minority with that one as a Sixers fan. <laughs> we're all, but like, we're, all, we're all watching them, but not really for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I want you to retire early, though, so all power to you. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the team here that is going to kind of lead into the next segment, uh, and I want to talk about the Baby Bulls. Love it. I mean, uh, I'm definitely interested to watch them. They've got players that you know these guys know I love. I mean, Zach Levine, I think, is on the cusp of being potentially that most improved guy this year. I mean, his, he says he's got his explosiveness back. I believe it. Um, I mean, I think Carter was a great, great draft pick. Uh, you guys know I'm a huge Laurie Markkinen fan and Chris Dunn. I, I was in favor of that trade when it happened. So, I mean, I'm really excited to watch them. That's definitely going to be a team I'm going to be keeping my eye on here. Uh, and that's Leading into the next segment, which is think, surprise think, playoff teams. I think we all want to dis- are intrigued yeah. by the Bulls. No, but we I know. know how much you I know, but you, know, you guys know that I would have destroyed yeah. you if you I, 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 I couldn't take them. That, that was the other one that I really I've been on to record say. on the Bulls. Uh, I've been a bull, on that Bulls train for a while here. So, I mean, that's leading into the next segment on the surprise playoff teams. Uh, and for me, it's the Bulls. I think, you know, I think when you look at the East and you look down in that 8, 9, 10 spot, they're in that. They're in there. I mean, it's it's Detroit. It's Charlotte. They're in that same ballpark. I think. I think. I think that team's really been constructed well. I actually think Jabari Parker is going to fit in well in that team too. Um, so for me, I think the Bulls sneak into the playoffs in that seven eight seed. Anyone else with a with a surprise team there? I I really like the the Jabari. I think I think Jabari is definitely gonna gonna make a a very in, like in, a very interesting addition to that team. Um, as far as as teams that I think really could could uh, pop into the playoffs, I, I definitely think the Pistons could, yeah. could be a team that like who knows how Blake's gonna play. Like his athleticism starting to go, so like and they we'll were right in there last year, right? Yeah. Without Reggie Jackson, most of the season, so they I, were right I in agree. there. But they had Blake for part yeah. of that year. Like there was a lot of learning. Like, no, I like that they they could come out as like a a, a pretty wild one. Yeah, I mean, one of the other surprise playoff contenders I had was the Memphis Grizzlies. Kind of a deep cut, but Gasol was hurt the most yeah. of the year last year. Conley was hurt for most of the year. They got Jaron Jackson, who looked great in Summer League, uh, who really really gives them a very very specific role as that kind of stretch four to go next to, to Gasol. Uh, I mean, they look, they were in the Western Conference Finals, what, like three years ago, four years ago yeah. at this point? Like They're not that far removed. I, I easily could see them jump back. Jump back that's into a Western deadly League. combo, the, the uh, Gasol that... Uh... And Conley, I mean, you can't Definitely. underestimate that for sure. I love Jaron Jackson. Yeah. I, I'm real big on him. I think I think he's gonna he's definitely gonna be up there in the uh, the rookie of the year. Okay. I, I, I don't know if we talked about. It. I think we did. The Nuggets, I think, are a pretty obvious one. I don't know if they're really a surprise at this point because yeah. people pretty much have penciled them in. But I mean, their offense was one of a top five offense last year, and uh, really, it's just gonna get better as Millsap comes back for the entire year. Jokic look has, has looked great. Gary Harris. Yeah. So moving on from like the guys that, you know, these teams that might make it, might not, uh, let's jump into NBA Finals predictions here. A lot of us kind of have an idea of, of from the Western Conference, but Adam, I mean, where, where are you at with them? Yeah, the I mean, at this point, I, I, I think the Rockets take a little bit of a step back. Not much, but a little bit. I don't think the Lakers are quite there with LeBron to really compete. It's got to be the Warriors until ultimately someone knocks them off that. Obviously, injuries can happen. Who knows? There's, you know, we talked about possible locker room discontent, but like right now, they're there. Um, you know, I ultimately think it's going to be interesting to hear what everyone says. I got to go with the Sixers out of the East at this point. You can make an argument really for the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Raptors. Maybe there's another surprise team in the East, but at the end of the day, I think the, the Sixers can get it done. So who wins? I think it's Warriors and Six. Okay. I think the Sixers aren't quite there yet, and this will show they need one more piece really. Yeah, so I think I think, and I hate to say it, I think we're going to see the Celtics come out of the East. Yeah. Uh, they're going to face the Sacramento Kings, and I'm going to go. No, it's going to be the Warriors, and Warriors are going to <laughs> Warriors are going to win in six. Yeah. Over who? Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm glad that you said that one, Vance, because now I can go back to the Sixers because someone had to say that. But I'm going to go Sixers, Golden State. I think Golden State takes them in five, though. So I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a tough spot because I, I I'm not gonna say the Celtics are gonna win, uh, regardless of my feeling on that team like I talked about earlier. So I'm gonna say the Sixers come out of the East, and I want to see the end of Golden State, and I'm hoping this locker room turmoil I just just crumbles and LA is gonna come out of it, and then the Sixers are gonna beat LA in seven. LA Lakers. All right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. No love for the Raptors by anyone. Okay, so. 
that brings that comes right into the next one here. And Marcus, I'll let you lead off because uh, let's talk NBA like NBA awards predictions. So if the Sixers are winning the NBA Finals, give me your MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Defensive Player, and Sixth Man. I, I like I said earlier. I, I'm. I don't think until he proves to me that he's not the most valuable player in the league that LeBron. You, you can't go anybody else. Like and LeBron it's is end of regular season. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm just saying LeBron is the most valuable player in the league, regardless of how they make the the predictions and the and the things like that. LeBron. LeBron's the best player. He adds the most value to any team that he's on. So I. I can't. Okay. I can't pick anybody other than that. Rookie of the year. Uh. Rookie of the year, I'm gonna go, Jaron Jackson. I, I'm, 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 I'm a big. I, I was big on him. I, I watched a uh, a clip of him picking out his suit before the draft, and <laughs> and I've just I've just been on the the Jaron train ever since. Most improved. Most improved. Um, I'm gonna go somebody a little different. I like. I think Jabari Parker. That's I think a good one. I, I think Jabari Parker is going to come off of that. It's got a lot of room. That like ACL that. surgery and and really come in and and show why people considered and why people were so high on him coming out of college. So for defensive player of the year, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it away from the Sixers. Uh, I think there's gonna be enough of them. So I'm gonna go Anthony Davis. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, don't, okay. I don't. I don't think he's going to. Feel like he's probably should have won one at this point if and, he hasn't already. And, and he's going to. He's going to really have a lot more room down low to to, to dominate with Julius Randle. Sixth man. Sixth man. What is Jalen Brown coming off the bench for them? It's unclear at this point who. I think it's going to be a Celtic. Yeah. I think the Celtic have. I think the Celtics have such a deep bench that the person who comes off as their sixth man is just going to going to put up a fire year. So whether it's Jalen Brown or. Marcus Smart or one of those guys, like they're they're going to come in and really really have a, a good strong year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll start with MVP. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier. I'm going to give it to Durant. I think a Warrior hasn't won in a while. I stand by. I think the Warriors win in six this year, and I think people are going to realize that it's kind of silly that we're not giving it to Steph or Durant in the situation, mainly just because the team is so good. Um, okay. I don't I don't think at the end of the day the Lakers are going to be good enough that LeBron can get it. I think, you know, when it, when it comes to, like, the Anthony Davises and the Giannis of the world, I don't think those teams are going to be good enough. That usually it, it is, like, the best player on the top two or three team in the league. Um, so I'm going to give it to Durant. Rookie of the year? Uh, rookie of the year, I went with Dockage. Um, usually that's a stats-based award, and it's the guy who puts up the best stats. I think Aiden's kind of in that conversation. Uh, when it comes to, like, he could put up, like, 20 and 10 on that Suns team, or, like, 18 and 10, and I wouldn't be totally shocked. I think Dockage gets it. I think the Mavericks have a better chance of being, uh, being a playoff team than the Suns. And, you know, we saw it a few years ago with uh, um, from the Bucks, um, who beat Sark. Uh, Brogdon. Brock, Malcolm yeah, Brogdon. It's like, you really got that because the Bucks were like a playoff team that year and the Sixers weren't quite there. So I could see a similar situation where Dockage is putting up really solid numbers across the board and is really impactful on that Mavericks team. Uh, okay. I think most improved award, uh, I think this is going to go to one of one of the Nuggets guards. So either Gary Harris or Jamal Murray. I'm, my vote is Jamal Murray. I think he makes a Devin Booker type lead late this year um he averaged 39 percent from three uh this past season which is a jump from 35 percent his, his first year in the league i think he is a 40 plus three point shooter putting up 20 a game on a really good nuggets team i thought um, you were going a different nugget guard uh isaiah thomas I thought you were going yeah i mean we already used isaiah thomas i think he's just not going to get he's not going to get the volume at that point in my opinion um and then defensive player of the year i know we wanted to stay away from sixers i went with Embiid. i think a lot of us think we, he should have won it last year um i think i think he probably he probably is up there he's gonna get it go bear could win it again but of course i, I don't think it, for as far as far as me I, I wasn't trying to avoid sixers yeah. i just know that like we all are so high on Embiid. i kind of wanted to give just a, a, different, a different option a different option and, and somebody to spur some some other conversation six man to be on the record i i want i, I am rooting for me of course we all <laughs> for the record just yeah. just so we're all clear on, on how that's are. going now and then six man is. six man is tough because usually this word really goes around last year i think it was lou williams with the clippers weren't really that good he was just putting up pretty high volume numbers eric gordon has won it in the past i kind of agree with marcus it's gonna be one of the celtics who like is the odd man out um Maybe it's Eric Gordon again. I don't. I don't see that though. I agree with you. There's too many good players on the Celtics that honestly, those guys should be starters, but just by circumstance, are going to be a six man. Yeah. So, so you know, I know you guys want to stay away from Embiid, MVP and Defensive Player in the Year, Joel Embiid. Sixers are going to come out of the East. I know I said the Celtics. 
I, I do think the Sixers are going to be pretty strong. It's most valuable player, right? It's it, it's not the best player in the league, and that's been proven. We've talked about that. Rookie of the year, Donovan Mitchell. You know, he, he's gonna he's, he's, he's gonna he's gonna pick at the league to include players who came in second last year, <laughs> even though they maybe should have won if they changed the rules to not have Ben Simmons win. Donovan Mitchell, that's my lock for rookie of the year. What do you have to go? Like, what what goes into changing a definition in a dictionary? You think he might go down that road? Well, I think he's got a connection with dictionary.com now. He might be sponsored by them. Who knows? All right, so I'm gonna go through, run through mine here. Uh, for MVP, uh, I think it's gonna be Russell Westbrook. I think he's gonna average a triple double for a th- third year in a row here, which is, I mean, pretty unprecedented. So uh, I think the he didn't win it last year, even though. He easily could have, and I think he comes back and wins it this year. I, I think it's just as far as Westbrook with the triple double. I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for him with spreading the ball around with Paul George. I think that's gonna be a little bit more difficult, and he can't pad the stats the way he's padded them in the past. You might be right, but man, I've never seen somebody go after rebounds like that. He'll get he'll get his rebounds. I'm I'm not really too worried about that. Devil I there. know it. Um, for rookie of the year. None of you guys said it. I think it's going to be for a similar reason that Adam said. It. You know, it's a stat, pretty stat based. I think it's going to be Trey Young. I mean, I think he's going to put up big numbers in Atlanta. Um, so I think he takes that award. Bomb. Ah, dude, he he can shoot, man, and I think he's going to score a lot. And that that team is not going to be good. They're going to let him shoot a lot. And I yeah, think he's, he's got an opportunity. Yeah. that's for sure. Um, most improved. I'm going to go with uh, Zach Levine. I think he takes a huge leap, and I think he went actually becomes an All Star this year. Uh, and wins most improved. Um, for defensive player of the year, I'm going to go away from a big man here, and I'm going to go with Drew Holiday. Uh, I mean, he is an excellent on-ball defender. Um, he's going to have to, I think he's going to have to play a lot more of the one this year with Rondo out of there, so I think he's going to be really pressuring the ball coming up the court, and I think um, I think he's gonna. that's going to be his award. Uh, for sixth man, I'm going to go with Markel Fultz. I mean, we, we talked about it that, He's probably going to stay on the bench and come off and lead that second unit. So, uh, I, you know, if he does what we think he can do from that position, I don't see why he can't win six-man award. So anyway, that's that's it for us here. We actually have to get to a uh, some kind of rehearsal dinner. Uh, but thanks for listening. And again, I want to thank Cheese It Grooves for being a sponsor of the podcast. Sharp White Cheddar, Bold Flavor, Big Crunch, Cheese It Grooves. Thanks, guys.